0: to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit Rajana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Alrighty, everybody. Um, welcome. Uh, my name is Raj Jana. I'm the host of the Stay Grounded podcast, where we interview people from all walks of life uh, to discuss happiness, fulfillment, and how to have more of it in everyday living. Um, today, I want to really introduce a super awesome guy. Uh, his name's Mark. Uh, Mark is has got a phenomenal story, and he's probably one of the most interesting people I know personally. And uh, and I know that. His story will likely resonate uh, pretty amazingly with a lot of you. Um, Mark has worked in Hollywood. He he works in tech in the tech space now and has a company called Wild Story, where he helps different types of entrepreneurs and brands tell their stories in an engaging way. Um, and so, uh, before we really get started, Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm awesome, Raj. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm stoked. This is going to be great. Yeah, of course, man. I'm glad you could be here and glad you could make the time. And, uh, you know, so before we we jump into uh, to sort of the, the, the interview and really getting to know you more, I'd love if if you could just give a, a snapshot of your story as the master storyteller. Um, you know, <laughs> give, a, give a snapshot of, of your story so that our our audience can get some context about who you are and uh, and where you come from, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I'll try to keep it short because I know we have a a lot we want to talk about, but uh, I'm just, I'm a regular guy from, you know, I grew up in Detroit, uh, nothing fancy, pretty middle class kids and a middle class family, middle class kid. Uh, My father was an attorney and my mother was a school teacher for a while uh, until she stopped to take care of the family. We just lived a real middle class existence, especially when Detroit was doing well. So it was, you know, driven by the auto industry and, and a lot of things shaped me during that time that I'll talk about. But one of them was I had a ton of friends. They would either be moving in or moving out because the nature of the auto industry was, you know, you'd ship engineers in, you'd ship them out and you just kind of get moved wherever. And that was always something that really, that really affected me and really uh, had a lasting imprint on, on the way I viewed life. We'll talk about that a little bit, but I, I I never wanted to be one of those families that just kind of moved in and out and was controlled by your career. So, um, you know, I also had a lot of other experiences that, that really gave me a love for story. And and we could talk about those a little later if you'd like. But, you know, one thing led to another. I went to University of Michigan and I, and I moved out to uh, California to pursue uh, a storytelling career. I always wanted to be a screenwriter. And uh, I started working for Disney and driving film around. And, and And what I would do, actually, is I had a all-access pass to the Disney lot because I had these giant. Uh, Spools of film that I had to carry. And so I was like, you know, it was like movie star one, movie star two, Mark Gutman. And I'd admit I was in my like old uh, Oldsmobile car that was barely, you know, uh, able to run next to a couple Porsches. And I would go up and down the lot and I would pop my head into uh, different producers' offices just trying to make friends. And now I think about it, it's like really funny. And I don't know if you could even get away with that. Uh, But that's how I. Uh, one producer took a liking to me, asked me what I wanted to do. And one day slides a little piece of paper across the table to me and says, call this number. And I call the number and I go for an interview and it turns out uh, to be an interview with Oliver Stone and his production company. And so, um, I, I, you know, I, I interviewed, I was nervous. Um, I sent a uh, certified priority mail envelope every day for about nine days to them, telling them how much thank you kind of card, telling them how much I you know, loved uh, the interview. And I wanted, I thought it was just a great fit. And eventually they were like, stop sending us all these envelopes. You have the job. <laughs> so, so from there, I was a story editor. And that's where I really cut my teeth on story. Um, worked on, you know, a bunch of movies there, ended up writing some scripts for that production company went on to work for some movies like Osmosis Jones and some others and was doing some comedy punch up. And I, I think we're you know, it gets really interesting is for the first part of, of, of that period in my life, I was so stoked. I was so in love with story and the movies. And it had always been my dream. And when I got there, one of the things I realized that my dream didn't really measure up to reality. And there was a lot of people there working really hard. Um, it's a very competitive industry. Um, you know, a lot of times I was very curious, like we go out and we meet people and then I'd find out only, you know, after about two drinks in, they'd be like, Oh, and here's my script. Right. And, and they were, it was always about some sort of business. I also started looking down uh, the road towards the people that I really admired. And most of them were like, weren't that happy, you know? And that really was like this big learning to me. I, I was like, you have everything you want. I mean, these are guys that are writing, you know, have huge screenwriting careers, literally making millions and millions of dollars before they're 30 years old living my physical dream of having a big house in California and walking around the pool in their slippers and their bathrobe. And, and they were my friends, and we, were, you know, we wrote together, and they were all very, very unhappy. Um, I also started to become very, very unhappy as I was chasing, uh, trying to make a career instead of writing stories that were relevant to me and that were my own personal story. Um, I, I started trying to write things that I thought I would sell. And so this isn't really the purpose of this podcast, but I'll just leave a little <laughs> message out to the listeners that. When you're really telling your story, it's got to be your story. It's got to be authentic. You can't live someone else's story um, or else you're going to be miserable. And, and that might be ultimately when we talk about, you know, ways of of being happy. That's really, that's really a clear one for me now. But at the time I didn't know that I just wanted to be successful. I was trying to do all these different things and and I effectively became Burnt out, and so in an effort to find a little bit of happiness, I'd always been um, really enamored with the outdoors. When I was in college, I spent a summer in the East Coast uh, hiking around, uh, you know, in Wa- in Maine, in Vermont, uh, Mount Katahdin, and uh, Lake Winnipesaukee area. Uh, for this program we had at Michigan called NELP, which stood for the New England Literature Program, and it sounds a little hippy dippy, but we we'd hike around, we'd backpack, we'd read Thoreau, and and, and Emerson and all these, um, you know, East coast literature, but in the context of, of getting out and in the mountains, and so I had this, this love for the mountains and I came out to Boulder, Colorado to take a break, to find, uh, some clarity and I never left. And, uh, really quickly I'll wrap it up. And as I got here, I got uh, very enamored by uh, the technology scene, the entrepreneur scene. And if the uh, storytellers in Hollywood were my tribe. The other tribe that the people that I never knew existed was this whole entrepreneurial movement. I just, I didn't even know it existed. And, uh, and, and I was just in, like, so taken with everybody by their drive and, and really their stories because essentially every entrepreneur is dreaming this massive dream. They're like, they're the little guy trying to like just do something incredible and then making it a reality. And and those stories were just bigger than Hollywood. I mean, they were like real life. I mean, in in Hollywood, we're telling all these fiction stories for the most part, unless we're doing documentaries or like real purpose purpose stories. But these entrepreneurs were doing big things. So I didn't even make the connection at the time that I wanted to be a storyteller for them. I just wanted in, and so I started a tech company. Um, I still have it. That went well, but I needed to get back into um, what I really believe is my purpose, which is storytelling, and so you want to talk about happiness, it, it was a big, I mean, I mean, this is probably a good way to segue into this topic. It was a really, really hard thing to figure out because I knew that storytelling made me super, super happy, but the only ways that I knew how to do it were in very traditional models. So very clear to me that you could do it in the, in the movies, you could do it in advertising, you could do it in public relations. Right, but right. I try all that stuff and it, it never was really fulfilling. And so, what I had to do is go on a real soul searching process of figuring out what do I want to do and what would make me happy and what was the kind of work I wanted to do and then how to make a business out of that. And, and it wasn't easy, you know, and I had a lot of self doubt. And along the way, I just had a lot of entrepreneur friends I would say, look, I just want to tell stories for business. And they'd be like, great, why don't you do that? And I, I would respond, I, I don't think that's a business. You can do that. And they're like, it's a hundred percent a business. And I said, tell me how it's a business. And they said, just make it a business. <laughs> and, and, and to great some friends. degree, yeah, to some degree, it was that easy. And it's been that easy. And we're still always figuring it out because it's 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 this weird, nebulous thing that not a lot of people are doing. And so really paving the way to be true storytellers for, for businesses and brands. And so um, that's where it leads me today, and and uh, all I can say is I'm very happy, and uh, we, we could talk about that a little bit further if you'd like.
0: Oh, for sure, Mark. You you look you look extremely happy, and just the way you talk about what you're doing right now is is really inspiring uh, to myself. And it's amazing. I want to touch on one thing you said. Which I thought that was really incredible. That the stories you were seeing from a lot of these smaller business owners and entrepreneurs were sometimes bigger and more exciting. Than some of the stories you'd seen in Hollywood, and I think that's such a powerful concept for for our listeners and just anybody. I mean, everybody's got a story to tell, and I think a lot of people are afraid of living their story uh, from a fear of failure, doubt, you know, angst, responsibility, whatever it may be. Um, do you have any insight on that? And in just a sense of like, how do you live your story better? How do you, how do you use your own story to, to fuel your happiness? Cause it looks like you're doing a remarkable job of that. And I, I think it's, I think it's really crazy.
1: Yeah. And, and I want to be real clear. I mean, I, I joke around a lot about, you know, I've got this Facebook life that looks miraculous and then I've got real life that has bumps. And so things I, I am happy. Um, today and most likely tomorrow. And I think I was happy yesterday, but I have bumps too. And so I think that understanding that your story isn't this curve that starts at the bottom and accelerates up and, and, and never has any dips. And actually there's a couple things about the story format. And when you're creating a story that as, as human beings, why we connect with true stories and true stories have, have a, a moment of crisis. They have a, something happens typically not good in almost every story uh, to start the story on, on the way, whether or not, you know, uh, the, the hero tries to uh, disarm a bomb with his father and it blows up his father. Right. Or then he's got to like spend this whole next hour and a half trying to, you know, wrestle with, um, you know, these demons of not just, you know, stopping terrorists, but like, how do I overcome these? Like, I wasn't good enough as as a son. Um, You know, you look at all these great movies and we get, you know, if you want to pick one, but even comedies, you know, one of my favorite examples is I always refer to blades of glory, literally one of my favorite movies. And in that movie, uh, Chaz, Michael, Michael, you know, they get in a fight on the stand. Everything's going well. He's like the champion figure skater and he gets banned from figure skating and they've got to come up with a new, a new plan. And so just the very nature of stories suggests that there's going to be bumps and that your story is going to have sort of this curve of ups and downs. And so not saying that that's great, but accepting, but finding a little bit of comfort in that up and down is, is definitely one way. Um, and then you kind of touched on it, that it's really funny. Like, Everyone has an amazing story. You just got to find it and and be comfortable. Most people don't think that their story is relevant or important. And we have a little bit of a saying that the more specific you get with your story, the more universal it becomes. And so as I tell you details about where I'm from and my own personal experience, everyone can start to find their own meaning and their own relation to those details and, mo- and a lot of people want to shy away from details because they feel like it's too specific or that it, it pigeonholes them or it's too narrow. But, you know, the opposite couldn't be more true. And that's really in Hollywood. What big writers are trying to do is come up with these very, you know, it might be a big idea. It might be this crazy, huge concept movie. But if you think about it, every movie, you know, it's about love. It's about connection. It's about the things that we can all relate to. Um, that really bring even all movies together. It's just how that story is told.
0: That's a really great insight, and I, I love that. It's almost like th- the roller coaster of life is is a beautiful thing. The misfortune in your life is almost like a like a telling point of who you are and a defining point for who you are, uh, which I think is great. And I think no, I, I like I said, I I love the way you think about storytelling and how it applies to daily life. That's something that I think most <laughs> people could could definitely use and, 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 apply in their own living, uh, no matter where you are in life. Um, so tell me more, Mark. So, so you're living in Boulder now. You're, you're living in Boulder. You've got your wife and your three kids. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Full house for sure. Full house for sure, man. Okay. So tell me, how does your, how does your day start? What is, what is, what does the typical morning look like for, for Mark when he gets up with, with a full family and a full business? How do you, how do you manage to get started and get moving?
1: Yeah. So it's really been a process and it's, it's always a little bit different. Um, You know, one thing I'll say is I I had a life changing event myself that um, about a little over a year ago, I went to a entrepreneur farm to table dinner. I actually helped put it together and host it here in Colorado. uh, And I got West Nile virus and I spent about two months in bed. Uh, I couldn't think I, you know, I, I, You know, I couldn't work. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And it really put my life in perspective. And it was one of those life changing moments about how do I want to spend my days? What do I want to do with my life? And I really felt that it was a sign in my body telling me that I had to take care of myself. And so why that's relevant as I got healthier, um, that, that really is always been my focus. Um, But I kind of got away from it. And it it comes back to that story I told you before about wanting to put my life in where I wanted to live first before my job. And so it's always been about this. I believe that if I surround myself with the right people in the right environment, with the things that I love to do when the sun is shining uh, the rest will take care of itself. So I start my day every morning. Um, you know, I get up, you know, I still like from, from that illness, I just don't get up as early as I used to today. I got up at six 15 um, about every other day I'll meditate. So I went through um, a Vedic meditation course, which is very much like transcendental meditation, but it's the, the generic name, I guess, uh, transcendental is the commercial. Yeah, yeah. And I, I spend time doing that. Uh, then I'll come down and really I come downstairs And uh, one of the things that I've learned is that food and alcohol and what I put into my body um, at all levels really affects my mood for the day and how I work. So I've, I've moved to, I I start with a power shake of different, different varieties. Um, You know, one that uh, I picked up recently in an event with uh, it's got some eggs in it and some protein powders and things like that. I have another one that comes right out of powder, but it's, that gets me going and that seems to like carry me through lunch and makes me feel uh, full, but not, but energized. Uh, And then I uh, will typically make coffee. And so my wife and I went through. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> wife and I went through a home remodel uh, not too long ago, and we, we put a lot of things in the home. But one of the things that uh, I get the most pleasure from is instant hot water, because I'm then able to uh, make uh, French press coffee. So I love. French press, but it was always you know. I think my favorite coffee is actually a pour over, but I have no patience to sit there and watch it drip. So <laughs> French, French French press is the next, and then we usually you know uh, right now we switch it up. But we're into French roast organic blend uh, that that we uh, that we like, and organic of course, and uh, we start that and we, we have a cup of coffee, uh, and then and then I come to the office. Uh, one of the intentions I've just set is, and this is recent and we'll see if it, if it holds up, you can, you can check on me uh, a little bit later on Friday. I impulsively bought a bike. Now I've already got like three or four, but I bought like one that was very, very specific that had sort of a 10 speed geometry of fenders nice. and saddlebags and all that. Cause my intention is I want to start and end my day by riding to work about four miles uh, when appropriate. Like so wow. say, not good. I've got to be in the car. I've got to do some other things. But when we do our goal setting, that's, that's one of my goals. Um, And then uh, I get to work and I try to read for about 20 minutes and then I start my day. So that's my morning routine. Um, You know, it leads into, you know, my work day. I try to leave my mornings open typically from nine to 11 because that's my most productive time. That's when I can really jam on whatever that thing, most important thing is for the day. And then things like podcasts, meetings, lunch, that can all happen after. And I'm always really trying to do one active thing a day. So I play hockey twice a week during lunch. Uh, I might go to yoga, but always like putting a real priority on physical activity. And I notice my happiness level is always at its highest. It's always a 10. When I make time for those types of activities and as busy people, whether or not you're an entrepreneur, whether or not uh, you work at a, you know, a corporation, we always feel too busy to exercise. And that's the first thing that we always neglect or say we can't do, or, you know, say we're going to go at lunch and then a meeting comes up and we take this meeting. I put it on my calendar and it's sacred. And one of the things I love about playing hockey twice a week is it's a, it's a team sport. And so it's nice on my calendar, hundred percent. And so, yep. you know, piece of advice I'd give, you know, you don't have to play hockey, but if you go to yoga, if you want to go to, go for a walk today, uh, before this podcast at 11 AM mountain, I told my wife, we'd go for a long hour and a half walk for our, our daily exercise. And so I was accountable. She was coming to meet me at the office and we did it. And, you know, I could have blown that off had it not been for her standing here waiting for me because there's always something else, you know, there's always something on your list. There's never enough time in the day to get through all the things we need to do. And so I put a priority on that. And I always do it during lunch because you mentioned at the beginning, I've got a wife and three kids. And if I try to do it in the morning or in the afternoon, it just, there's always an excuse as to why it's not going to happen.
0: That's brilliant. So really one thing I'm taking away from that is one, you know yourself pretty well enough to, to schedule things in so that they don't get compromised. But I think that's awesome. that's, that's a point in itself. I mean, it, it sounds like you're prioritizing the things that make you happy and then letting everything else sort of fall into place. So you know that the workouts make you happy, so you prioritize those. You never skip those. You know that your morning routine makes you happy. So I definitely want to ask some more questions about that. But but in, in as, as a general concept, is that something you resonate with? And do you have any any more thoughts you can share on just making happiness – uh, like just where happiness falls on the spectrum of priority.
1: Yeah. I I think that's such an awesome point, Raj. I mean, it's all about that. And, and I find that a lot of people tell me, well, I don't have time to do this. Right. But, but I would argue that you do. It's it's just always a trade-off. And I'll give you an example. Um, for probably about the last 10 years now, uh, one of the big things in my life is I grew up in, you know, in, in in Michigan and I love being around the water and I live in Colorado, but we, my family, we spend our summers back in Michigan for six weeks. Now I'm not independently wealthy. I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that doesn't work and just has a big bankroll and like, you know, I'm hanging out. I'm literally relocate my family there. Um, I work from there, uh, this year was a particularly heavy workload, but sometimes I joke, I don't either work or play particularly well up there. Uh, and, and I'm sure my businesses have not grown as fast as they could have because I've architected them so I can be virtual. So I can, you know, always be on the go and, you know, and I'm not always in my business. It's not like my focus, like a hundred percent of my time. Because that wouldn't make me happy. I'd, I would burn out. And so, having that experience and doing that is a decision I've made. And I'm sure there's cost to it—not just the hard cost, but the cost and you know, other things. I have to make that right. decision. But that's yeah. what makes me happy. My wife and I—we spend a lot of our disposable income on experiences. We also, when our children were young, we had a date night. You know, it, you know, at least once a week. You know, or every other week, where we would, you know go to a movie and that movie might cost us with dinner and babysitter and movie like one hundred and twenty five dollars or one hundred and fifty dollars um, at times when that was like a really lot of money to us. It's still a lot of money. And you can't look at it that way. we We always look at it and say, we we can't value the movie at one hundred and fifty dollars. It's this experience that we're having together because that's what makes us happy. And so for me, To answer your question, my, my priority on happiness is, is it's the most important thing. And sometimes like anyone, I lose sight of that and I start chasing things. I start thinking that, uh, growing my business faster or making more money or advancing in my career will make me happier or remodeling my house will make me happier. I mean, like, like I look at, none of that stuff makes me happier, right? Like, Like what makes me happier is time or the things that like exercise, like getting in the mountains, like, uh over over this Labor Day weekend, my wife and I, we went and it's a thing to do in Colorado. We climbed two 14ers. So, you know, we have more 14,000 wow. <laughs> foot peaks than uh, anywhere in the U.S. And, and and we did that and spending that time with her and making that space, those things make me really happy. Drawing in my journal, being artistic, getting, you know, being challenged, those things make me really happy. Um, and so I just, I, I try to continually set myself up for it, but I also don't want to give this impression like, I've got it all figured out. It's a challenge and it's something I have to be conscious of. I've literally, I've got all my own routines and on my desk right now, someone gave me the book, The Miracle Morning, right? And so I'm, I'm going through that because I, I understand that morning routine is so important. You know, it's one of those books I've never read, even though I'm an avid reader. And so I also think like a good relationship, like, like the people in your life, being happy takes work, and sort of think that it just shows up without intention, without cost, without compromise to other things in your life. I think would be misguided.
0: I think uh, what you just said it hits me so so hard. I mean, this concept that happiness comes easy is is so jaded. Comfort comes easy. Uh, happiness takes work. Um, yeah. You know, because happiness requires you to to get outside of your comfort zone. And generally speaking, the things on the outside of your comfort zone are the things that bring you some sort of bliss and joy. And that always means getting up, getting going for a run, hanging out, making time when there's other things that are super important in life or super important, quote unquote. Um, so I, I think that's, that's brilliant, man. Um, so when, so you've got, you've got a lot of things that, that, essentially are a part of your daily routine. What happens when, when let's say work does get tough and there are, and there are things picking up or let's say that you're, there's a, there's a stretch where you're traveling a lot. Are there, you might not be able to do the big things like take an hour and a half walk with your wife or, 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 or do all those big things, but are, are there little things that are a part of your daily routine that, that don't get compromised no matter where you are or what's going on? Um,
1: No. So I think it's easy to disrupt my routine. I think that the trick is returning back to it and not beating yourself up because you've missed it or because I haven't meditated for four days. That doesn't mean on day five, I can't pick it back up and it's any less valuable because this whole idea for me of a morning routine is that it's a practice. It's not it doesn't have to mm, happen yeah. every morning Now we try. And, you know, and I, I love the idea of setting goals and intention and trying to make it happen. Um, I think the one thing that is a hundred percent always in my life is a cup of coffee. Um, always coincidentally, I mean, yeah. uh, and, and always a good cop, you know, I've, you know, gone in and out of different types of, uh, types of variations of, of what I enjoy. But to me, that's always a way I start my day. That's, I almost have this like, Pavlov's response, right? Like when I, when I smell the aroma and it's just how, oh, yeah. how I set my day. And it's also a bit about, you know, I read a lot of content, you know, every morning I'm very, I either read a book or I'm reading the news. And to me to like have that cup of coffee, it's just this companion that is always part, part of my day. Um, but then there'll be other things, you know, I will try if I'm traveling to get out and walk, I will try to, do different things. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you're traveling and you're stacked, you know, it's just about like, Hey, I get up early cause I got to answer a bunch of emails or, or help out clients. But you know, the other thing, it's not really routine. I just try like when I'm traveling, when I'm at an event, I really try to be as present as possible in that moment and live for that, for where I'm at and let everything else fall, fall to the side because that makes me happy. Then I get a lot of value from that when I get to really concentrate where I'm at talking with other people, focusing on the client or, or what have you. Is there a, and, and
0: that's a hard thing for people to do. That's a hard thing for myself uh, from time to time. Are there any tips you have for, for people to help them stay more present um, and, and, and help them appreciate what's happening right now versus thinking about what's hap- what's going to happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday? Um, cause I do think that that's, that's another skill that can be, can be, can be taught or learned. Um, do you have any insight on that?
1: A, a, a little bit for me, it, it's two things. It's setting that intention. And so just bringing it back up, it's almost like a meditative mantra, right? Like be more present. So like, again, like I'll be at the dinner table, I'll check my phone and my kids will look at me and call me on it. And, and then I'll put the phone away. So I think that one of the things is sharing your intention to be more present. And then when your friends mm. tell you, you're a hey, Raj, you're not being present. Sweet. Like that's a reality check. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's an intention to do that. I also think it's just mindset. And so, um, you know, really going through the idea of, you know, what is happening and, and how is life affecting you? That has a huge impact on your happiness. Not so much your intention to be present, but, you know, it's really thinking about like, is this happening to me? Or is it just happening? So that's, that's one way that I deal with a lot of stress is kind of this Buddhist way of looking at the world, which is like, you know, it's not happening to me. It's just happening. I just happen to be a part of whatever is going on. And, Now, how how am I going to react? And it helps me to remove a lot of emotion from a lot of things, which, you know, as we know, like emotion is awesome. A lot of times, and sometimes we start to build these stories in our heads about what's happening, and then it just becomes this, you know, death spiral of either limiting beliefs or, um, you know, we get so wrapped around the axle, we can't move on to the the next thing. We just like, you know, we start to go to war with people or or get frustrated or, you know, start seeing uh, negativity in things. Uh, that otherwise it wouldn't be there. So uh, for me, it's mindset and intention on both those things and like giving yourself permission to stumble. So it's hard for me to do that. I'm no expert in this, but like to say, look, like I wasn't present at that. Like I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to call myself on that. And I'm going to be present at the next event because, you know, it's just this ongoing journey. And I just notice that I feel better. You know, it's kind of like this thing, like I stopped drinking as much as I used to drink because I used to like, you know, like I started feeling better. My wife was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's pretty funny. Right. Like, I'm like, like yeah. go figure, you know, <laughs> uh, like, uh, and you know, I still have a good cocktail now and then, but I just, you know, it's like, I really am in tune with how things make me feel. So if making you present makes you feel better. Um, makes the people around you feel better, it, it becomes a lot easier. And then I'll just say that, you know, when I was lying in that bed and really concerned about my health, I just kept like asking myself and I ask myself this all the time when I'm at a crossroads, like if it all ended today, would I be happy? Like, like, like what matters in my life? You know, and for me, it's never been my bank account. It's never been the car I drove. It's like, when you think about your eulogy and I, I, it's not like a morbid thought. It's like, you know, what, what do I want people to say about me that, you know, that I made them laugh, that I was an adventure that I made, that I took them on crazy experiences that I always spent time that I was around, right? Like, those are the types of things um, that I want people to say about me and it can be different for anybody else. But you know, it's a good question to ask yourself when you're trying to understand like what, what makes you happy.
0: How do you foster that, that, that discipline, um, to just continue asking yourself this question? Um, do you journal? Uh, I know you mentioned a little bit about goal setting and, and, and setting your intention. How often do you review your goals is happiness and the things that bring happiness to you a part of those goals? Um, you know, like, how do you, how do you make this a, a process? Cause I, I know there's myself and and a lot of our, our listeners are, are in this space where, where we feel almost trapped from time to time, um, and and there's a million different directions we can go. How do you sort of sharpen that focus um, to to see the light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> Great question.
1: Uh, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a curse, right? Like like I'm always chasing it. I'm always trying to um, to work on myself, and it's not because I feel like things are bad or things aren't going well. It's just kind of the way I'm wired, and sometimes you know. Uh, honestly I, I say to people like I wish I wasn't like this because it's, it's always on my mind but you know so I spend a ton of time um doing things like trying to understand what's my underlying core focus or why it took me a lot a lot of years for me it's lived creatively so every time I'm at a crossroads or I get out of bed and I'm like what's going to happen today why is today any better I've got a bunch of client meetings and I've got to do different things um uh, I think. Well, you know, your mantra is to live creatively. That means both, like expressively, like in an artistic way, and like architecting my life in a creative way and approaching the world in a creative way. To me, um, you know, once I heard uh, a speaker that really reframed how I see the world, and I and I what made me think of is just the words I was using, which were like, you know, I have to go do this, I have to go pick up my kids, I have, and really. I tried, I catch myself saying that because I have this new mindset where I get to, and so I get to go pick up my kids. I get to run Mm, my business. I get, I get to have that meeting. Um, I get to make the decision about whether or not we, what we have to do with cash. Do we have to, you know, let go of employees or do we have to expand or whatever? There's, there's a lot of stresses, as you know, running a business and really reframing this get to versus have to. And then I think, you know, I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of visioning. I set my intention. Um, I'm not good at goals. I'm a very visual person. I'm a very dreamy person. I'm great at like setting that vision. I'm really bad at goals, but I keep working at it. So um, it's something that I know that I'm not good at. I return to it all the time. I set my goals. I'm coming back into them. Um, I've done different business systems like Rockefeller habits, scaling up EOS, EOS. You know, I'm always looking at something different. Uh, right now I really like the 12 week year, uh, as a methodology that's, it's a book that's very, very simple for saying, look, for the next 90 days, we're going to sprint towards this goal. And, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, my goal of riding to work, uh, that's, I have to actually sit and do it, but that's going to be one of my goals. I want to get healthier. What are the things I have to do? I have to make sure that five days a week I make time to work out two of which I'm riding to work. So, And and then you go back and you score yourself. But the idea behind that is not to beat yourself up. It's not to say, oh, I only got 40% this week. It's just to have some intention because I can tell you and the people listening that the times in my life, I've been the darkest where I've been, where I felt the most stuck, where I felt the most lost or or, or times when I say things like, I feel rudderless. I don't know what I'm doing. What is life all about? Like, what am I doing today? I don't even want to get up. And really, for me, what that would mean is, like, I don't have a goal. I don't know what I'm trying to do today. I don't know what makes me happy. Um, one thing your listeners can do is literally write down a list of, the, of what makes them happy, and then frame it and post it. I have uh, I have it here somewhere, and I'm looking at my journal. And maybe I can read, you know, some of the things that that I wrote and I didn't even realize when we were going to do this podcast, I had that stuff. So, but Good. I recently, yeah, I recently wrote what makes Mark happy and then, um, and, and then went through it and really thought about it and meditated on
0: it. I've always felt like writing stuff down does something psychologically for me. But one thing I, I wanted to just dive a little in on this frame of the coin have to get like, I have to do this too. I get to do this. And that almost for me, it it feels like it's coming from a place of gratitude and gratefulness for where you are and the things that are happening to you instead of, of you having to happen for it. I don't know if that makes sense, but just, so I want to kind of dive in. How does gratitude play into your life? Like, is there, um, does it help you shape your decisions? Is it something you practice daily? Um, what's, what's, what's up with gratitude?
1: Yeah. You know, and and for me, when I think of having get, it's more like, it's more this empowering mindset that getting back into the story stuff that you are the author of your own story. Like this world we live in, you can almost virtually create any reality you want. Now, I will never be sit here and tell you that's easy. that it's not without work, but literally like we live in this global world where like I could today decide that I want to sell a bunch of stuff on Amazon and tomorrow be doing it and create a business, you know, or whatever. And, you know, there's so many different things and I can connect with so many people. We can find our tribe of people like on Facebook groups. And so, you know, I guess my gratitude is I just can't believe like how crazy and amazing the world is and the, and the empowerment we have. And so, you know, and that if we don't like something, we do have the power to change it. We just get in this mindset that sometimes it's very difficult. I wish I practiced gratitude a lot more. Um, you know, I do think of meditation as this gift I give myself. And so, when I mm. don't have time, when I don't, when I'm feeling like I, I can't get to it, I always have to remind myself that both my meditation and exercise is this gift I give myself. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I wish like I know people that write every day in their journal, like I'm grateful for something and and I've done a little bit of that here and there, but it hasn't been a habit that's stuck.
0: I love that. That's a gift you give yourself. Um, I think that screams gratitude right there. Even if it's not something you explicitly state, it's something that you do um, because you are grateful that you get to do it. And then you feel good that you're doing it for yourself. So it's almost like you're tricking this whole gratitude chain on yourself um, and yeah. to help you feel it. I think that's brilliant. I, you know what, Mark, I, what I love so much about you and in, in your story is that, that you, you've found these ways to make things work for you. Um, like you, you know what works for you, you know, that, you're not much of a goals guy. You're a visions guy. You know that, you know, there are certain things that you have to do to make yourself happy. Otherwise, the other things you need to do in life just doesn't happen. And I think that's that's so powerful. Um, and I'm super inspired by you, to be honest. Like you're making <laughs> me want to go back and, 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 and kind of relook what everything I'm doing, uh, just because I think that's such an important point. I think a lot of people, um, you know, and this goes back to the original point that you made about having your own story. Um, everybody's story is going to be a little bit different. And even though, you know, my story is different, your story is different, but what's amazing is, uh, we can create our own stories and you've given so much inspiration for people here to, to just take bits and pieces and, and turn that into something actionable. So I got, I want to give you a hug right now. <laughs> okay. All right. There it is. Air hug, air hug, e hug, e-hug, however hug. that works. Um, yeah. no, um, so really uh i wanted to start 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 wrapping wrapping up the the episode because i I know you're a busy guy, and I love that you're here and and thank you so much for being here um I wanted to ask one final question um so in the midst of all your successes and your achievements um and the things that are happening, how do you stay grounded every day um what's 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 your focal point like when when everything else is failing in life, what do you come back to
1: yeah it's a it's a
0: great question
1: i mean I think two things really that have that are really powerful. One is, is my, my wife, Lindsay, she's just always been this rock. And when I go back, you know, and I, I feel so fortunate because I have so many entrepreneur friends who, who have a lot of issues with, with, with partners and spouses and things like that. She's just like, we're, we're very yin and yang. So we're on this big dreamer. She's, she, she, she shares in those dreams, but she's very stable and she's my mm. biggest fan. And so even when things aren't, maybe looking great, or, you know, we're taking a big risk, she's just always behind me. And that always gives me the confidence to, to push through and persevere. Um, and I think also, just taking a break. So like, when things are bad, and, and things aren't going well, you know, if it's on a daily level, let's get out of the office. And, and, I'll, and I'll say, like, look, you know, what? I'm not gonna sit here and try to bang my head against the wall and try to make something work that uh, is clearly not working today. I get out, but also on a macro level. I mean, if things are crumbling around, I get out, um, you know, kind of the, the outdoors is my, my temple. And so I get out and, and it helps me to meditate on things and think about things because for me, really, it's like, I get all my ideas, all my breakthroughs, like when I'm walking, when I'm on my bike, when I'm in yoga, when I'm in the shower, it, it's never in front of the screen. It's always when I get into this sort of meditative state that lets your your brain relax a little bit, and so for me it's just trying to let that stress go through
0: those those physical outlets awesome man that is that's that's yeah and living in some place like Boulder definitely helps <laughs> yeah when you get passed
1: by like a seventy five year old grandmother wherever you are whether you're <laughs> on a bike or a trail or whatever there's yeah you are you know there's always someone better than you always someone more fit so that's a little humbling at times.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. But, but no, uh, Mark, uh, like I said, man, you've, you've shared so much and, uh, I, I appreciate every bit of everything you've said. Um, so if, if there's anybody in the audience who ever wanted to reach out to you or learn more about what you do, do you have a, like, what's, what's your website? What's your, uh, uh, if, if you have a contact where someone can get in touch to to say hi or thank you, or just get in touch in general. Um, Yeah. So my website's
1: at www.wildstory.com. Pretty easy. And you can, you know, I'll put it out there on the webcast. You can always shoot me an email at markmarc at wildstory.com and happy to to correspond. I mean, like this is the stuff I love. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask you uh, as you're trying to figure out what is that thing you're meant to do is what would you do, you know, for if you didn't have to get a paycheck, you know, what would you do for free? you know, if, if money didn't matter and it really is stuff like this. So I love working with businesses and helping them with their vision and values and helping them find their, the essence of what they do and what makes their company great. And to me, a lot of this is about happiness and gratitude and, and finding out what's that electric emotional connection. In the so, um, yeah, I mean, feel free to, to shoot me an email, Mark, at wildstory.com. I've probably done every, um, self-development, every, uh, how do I find happiness and exercise known to man? So if there's one I haven't, send it to me. And if you have questions on which ones are good ones, uh, also let me
0: know. I'm happy, happy to share. Oh my gosh. No, that's great. Uh, Mark, thank you so much. Um, guys, uh, hope you guys loved this interview with Mark. Uh, he is he is awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely very grateful sitting on the other side of this getting to listen to you so mark thank you so much for everyone else listening my name is raj thank you for joining us on the stay grounded podcast now go drink some coffee and be happy we'll see you guys soon thanks for joining us today on this episode of the stay grounded podcast brought to you by java press coffee company my name is raj i hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority if you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code podcast for 10 percent off your purchase again thanks so much for joining us stay grounded